When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, Johnny and AJ here. How well can you influence people and get them to like you more? If you struggle with this skill, you know that moving up in your personal or professional life can feel painfully slow. So we help you speed up this process and do so in ways that ensure you win more opportunities and impact people positively. Listen, your influence is the key to developing meaningful relationships and breakthrough in your career to be seen as a charismatic leader. After coaching over 10,000 clients on how to master social confidence, we've learned a thing or two about what it takes to actually grow your influence and spark an instant connection with someone. We've packaged these insights inside our Influence Index Quiz. And as a thank you for being a podcast listener, we want to give you this kit for free. Inside the Influence Index, you'll get your influence score and what you can do to rapidly grow your influence to impact every relationship in your life as well as three resources to help you spark a connection with anyone in any social setting. These resources include our popular conversation formula, small talk conversation starters, and a resource to understand emotional bids. To get your free score and hands on this kit and immediately start improving your relationships, go to theartofcharm.com slash influence. Remember, you can do something about your influence. Take this short quiz now to identify your influence index, what it means and what you can do to gain more influence at theartofcharm.com slash influence. Welcome to the Art of Charm podcast, where we break down the science of powerful communication and winning mindsets so you have the cheat code to succeed with people. Every episode is jam-packed with actionable steps to unlock the hidden superpowers inside of you. Level up with us each week by listening to interviews with the best in business, psychology, and relationships. We distill thousands of hours of research in the most effective tools and the latest science so you can start winning today. Let's face it, in order to be seen and heard, your communication needs to cut through the noise, and we're going to show you how. I'm AJ, successfully recovered introvert, entrepreneur, and self-development junkie. And I'm Johnny Zubak, former touring musician, promoter, rock and roller, and co-founder here at The Art of Charm. And for the last 15 years, we've trained thousands of top performers and teams from every background. We have dedicated our lives to teaching men and women all they need to know about communication, networking, and relationships. You shouldn't have to settle for anything less than extraordinary. All right, let's kick off today's show. We've assembled our favorite clips to share with you on networking secrets that even introverts can use to be successful. We discuss why networking is so important and unlocking your charisma with Karen Rickery and Matthew Pollard. We unpack the secrets to crushing your next in-person networking event with David Siegel, and Susan McPherson joins us to share how to effectively build lasting relationships. The experts on this compilation are Karen Wickery, author of Taking the Work Out of Networking, Matthew Pollard, the author of Introvert's Edge, and Introvert's Edge to Networking, David Siegel, a close friend of ours and the CEO of Meetup.com, and Susan McPherson, the author of The Lost Art of Connecting. We've discussed the importance of networking on this show, and everyone has their strengths and weaknesses. So let's get started. We prepare our X Factor members for a turbulent career path. Transitions are common, and companies pivot and transition. 
No one stays in their job or career forever. And that's why we need to network. Nobody stays in a job for 20, 30 years. They may not even stay in the same field. And in addition, we have, you know, geographical moves over that ha can happen over time and just different, you know, new roles and new kinds of jobs and careers are opening up fairly frequently now. So for all of these reasons, it just pays to make connections as you go along and then, as I say, stay in touch with them over time because this much bigger network, it's bigger than your friends and family. <laughs> you, you do know lots of people. It's just a matter of feeling comfortable in having some little bit of social lubrication, shall we say, with people so that when you do want to be in touch about a specific new opportunity, uh, introduction, that a uh, new lead, something like that, it's okay to be in touch because essentially we're all doing it with each other all the time. It's very much a give and get situation as opposed to a single transaction where you're desperate and the other person is someone you are afraid to ask. We don't want, th that's, that's why people hate networking. Now, why as an introvert, might you be struggling in networking, procrastination, anxiety, or lack of planning? Let Matthew Pollard take you through the introvert's begrudging cognition of the inevitable. You think about networking, what does the average introvert do? We say, okay, I don't want to go networking. I'm definitely never going networking. Oh, I just lost my job. Oh, I lost that client. Okay, I'm going to have to go. So we book something in to say, I'm going to go to this networking event at this time. And then what do we want to do? We don't want to think about it. So we put it in our calendar and we try and push it out of our mind. Then we get that 45 minute reminder that we have to leave. So we spend the next 45 minutes not preparing, but trying to convince ourselves we don't need to go. Then we begrudgingly say, okay, I have to go. If it's just a virtual, we'll switch on, or if we have to go to that specific location. Then we get there and we're not prepared because we spent no time thinking about it. And then we go up and the first person we speak to sells insurance. And we're like, oh gosh, why am I even here? It's such a waste of my time. Well, that's just lack of preparation. I mean, these days especially, I mean, every event has a Facebook page, a LinkedIn page, a LinkedIn group, a meetup.com that has people's LinkedIn profiles connected. So when I go to an event, I will say, firstly, you know, if I'm a PR agent, I'm not going to go to the local PR agency meetup group because my customers aren't there. So I go, where is my niche market of my ideal customers, which for me is introverted service providers. So I'm going to go where those people tend to hang out. Then before I go, I'm going to connect to the meetup group page or the Facebook page, look at all the profiles of the people tagged in the photos so that I can connect with people in advance. Because these three people are the people I'm dying to see. Those insurance agents, when I see their face, I gotta make sure I walk the other way to get away from them so I don't spend my whole event talking to the wrong people. Matthew is right. And everyone listening to this knows that flow, but why not be prepared, excited, and have easy frameworks to follow? The difference between introverts and extroverts is where they draw their energy from. I define introversion, and I, look, don't get me wrong, the psychologists have got a lot of grant money over a long period of time to make it very complicated. But if we simplify it to the absolute base form, it's where you draw your energy from. So myself, when I go to a networking event, I am actually really good at it. I actually enjoy myself like a lot of my clients now do in selling and networking. But like a kid at Disneyland, I can enjoy all the rides, but it doesn't mean I'm not exhausted when I get home. An extrovert is the person that says, I had a great time, let's go out and hang out with more people. That's not me. At the end of a networking event, the end of a speaking event, at the end of this podcast, I'm gonna go put on a hoodie, watch a bit of Netflix and just chill out.
Now, we know a lot of you can agree with what Matthew said about our introvert social battery, but here's the interesting part. Introverts can do very well at networking if they work to their strengths, as Matthew explains. Why is it that we have in our head, we can't do it? It's this fallacy of that you have to have gift of gab. Now, sure, extroverts have some advantages if they haven't done any planning and they just go in and wing it. Introverts cannot do that. But with the right planning, the right preparation, the right strategy, introverts do amazingly well at networking. And not only do they foster incredibly great deep connections with a small number of people, they can actually foster strong relationships with a wide group of people as long as they go in with a plan, not avoid thinking about the fact that they have to network until they're in the room and go, oh my gosh, who am I gonna talk to? And then hold on to the first person they see. That's a failing strategy. That's what most introverted networkers do, but it's not the way to succeed. And it's definitely not the way to be the best at it. Johnny makes a great point on introvert being used as an excuse. And then Matthew and I share our own thoughts. Well, I think introverts get a bad rap because they have been used as a scapegoat and an excuse for so many people for so long that that idea of being an introvert gets conflated with, well, I can't do that because I'm an introvert. Oh, I I could never do that because I'm an introvert. These people are giving introverts and their abilities a bad name by using them and this idea of what an introvert is as an excuse not to take action. Any thoughts on that? I agree with that totally. And I'm not going to say it's those introverts do it. I do it. I mean, I'm the person that tells everyone, like, don't see yourself as a second-class citizen. Your path to success is just different from a leadership perspective. We have to stop saying, oh, little Sarah, she doesn't speak up in management meetings. You know, I'm just going to catch her out and say, Sarah, what do you think? And, oh, she just didn't have a great idea at the time. No, you caught her on the spot. She got stuck in her head. She wasn't prepared. If you had an email to yesterday and said, this is what we're going to be talking about, and I'm going to open up an open discussion about this specific question, and I want you to come in prepared with your answer, Sarah, just like you notice the following day when she comes up to you and says, oh, I thought about what you asked me, and I've got this great idea, but now now it's too late, we'll have that idea ready for you in the meeting. So yes, there are organizations that have to make a ton of adjustment to realize that their introverts are currently not getting the opportunities because leadership doesn't know how to manage them and because HR is actually sending them the wrong training or making excuses for them that they don't need. They need to be held accountable just like anyone else. But in truth, I like to live in this world where it's all my fault because if it's my fault, I can do something about it. So introverts have got to stop making excuses for themselves because for me, if I had have made excuses and said, oh, my boss isn't paying attention to me, oh, school's tough, I would never be where I am today. So much there to unpack. So let's, let's go through it step by step. I think the first part of this is the preparation angle. Whether you're extroverted or introverted, to be successful at networking, you have to be prepared. And I went to a massive networking conference where I made that same mistake, that fallacy of like, oh, that person must be an extrovert, so that's why he's good at networking. And when I sat down to lunch with him and I started picking his brain around his strategy, I realized that the reason he was good at networking was not because he was extroverted, it was because he came incredibly prepared to that event. He knew exactly who he was gonna talk about, he knew exactly who he was gonna pitch, and he also knew who he was gonna connect. And I think many of us go in the room without a plan and we let our anxiety, our shyness, our introversion get the best of us. And we look at the extroverts and we go, oh, well, they're just winning. But they also have a plan. The extra edge that introverts have in networking 
They aim to listen more and therefore can better adjust how much they share. One of the key ones we've mentioned a little bit in passing has to do with listening. So even as a, as a kid, without, I, without any labels on it, I remember I would just make a game. You know, someone would say to me, how are you? What's new with you? And I'd say, not so fa- I think, not so fast. You know, you're, I'm going to make you talk first. You're going to tell me what's going on with you. And then I gauge in that few minutes, what do I want to share and how much? Now, that's just me. Maybe that's some kind of self-protection thing. I don't know. But the process is, no, I'm listening to you. I want to listen to you. I want to hear you first. And I, I would say introverts typically do not want to be out front, as I mentioned. And so the idea of, let me ask you the questions and, and hear from you, that has a, a good effect in a different way, which is that person feels listened to and heard and flattered somewhat in that process. And you get more information in order to figure out how much you want to reveal and also which way maybe the conversation goes based on that. I think that's a fantastic skill for making connection. Karen is so right. Using our frameworks and strategies can make networking fun. And our X Factor Accelerator classes help you strategize just exactly to your strengths and weaknesses. No need to force yourself into doing things you hate when you can lean into the areas where you're already great. Now, what do we do when it comes to in-person conferences? Conferences don't have to be stressful. In this next clip, AJ and David Siegel break down their five best strategies to rock your next in-person networking event. So yeah, I teach um, entrepreneurship and strategy at Columbia. And a big part of entrepreneurship is finding investors and finding employees and just going to networking events to help to build your business. So one of the, um, the classes that I teach is specifically around like best practices in networking as part of being an entrepreneur. So I'll just give you my top five and uh, yeah. rather than the entire you know course, because I don't know if we have time for that. So here we go. So number one is in the debate of trying to build, be more informal or more formal when networking, be more informal. Meaning too often when someone's networking, they'll say, and then I worked at this company for this number of years and worked at this company for this number of years. It's just very prescriptive and resume kind of stuff. I don't think people really want to hear your resume. They want to get to know you. So the more that you could pass the beer test, quote unquote, would you want to have a beer with this person and be more informal, you know, the more successful you're going to be in networking. I want to share something there. It's such an impactful tip. And when we think about Of course, when we're in a networking event, we want people to know where we worked, what experiences we have, and and maybe you're looking for more career opportunities. What's far more powerful and is going to make you memorable, stand out, is if you share what you loved about that experience working there. So what you loved about Google, what you were passionate about in your role at Facebook, what woke you up in the morning ready to get to work at Netflix going to be far more interesting in conversation than saying it was a data analysis at Facebook and then I moved into digital marketing at Google and now I'm looking for X, Y, and Z opportunity. When you speak to passion, it has emotion and that emotion is what people remember. So at the end of the networking event, when they're sitting there with a stack of cards and all these new contacts, you're the one that's at the top of the list that they have to reach out to. Beautiful. Second is just, I would say, research, research, research. You know, I have one-on-one meetings with people who want to meet with me about a variety of different things. And sometimes I'll sit down and they're like, so what's this meetup thing? Tell me about that. And I'm like, really? I can't stand that. You couldn't have just like 
gone on our website for five minutes to know what that is, or or they'll say, so um, where did you work before? I'm like, go on LinkedIn, for God's sake. Like, I, I'm a CEO of a company. I don't meet with anyone beforehand, most junior person or not, that, that I don't go on LinkedIn beforehand if I know I'm going to be meeting or I have a list of people that are going to be at some event and learn a little bit about the people and then find some commonalities, find some common interests, find uh whatever a nonprofit that they're, that they're passionate about. And people just don't take the two or three minutes to just do the research beforehand. And then they're going to be a lot less effective. So just do the research and you're going to have a lot more interesting conversations. That's number two. Over the last 17 years, we have launched our fair share of online courses, coaching programs, and finding the right platform has always been a challenge. They say, if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. But if you're an entrepreneur, you know the hard work that comes with it. That's why you need Kajabi. Kajabi makes it easy to run your entire online business from one platform so you can focus on what you love, creating. Kajabi is the ultimate all-in-one platform that helps creators and entrepreneurs build successful online businesses by unlocking predictable recurring revenue. No matter your niche, Kajabi makes it easy to turn your skills, passions, and experiences into enriching online courses, exclusive membership sites, subscription podcasts, thriving communities, personalized coaching, and more. The best part? Kajabi doesn't cut into your revenue because everything is owned and controlled by you. So keep 100% of what you earn. And with Kajabi, you also get robust analytics, easy payment options, email marketing tools, and customizable website templates all built in. You don't even need a huge audience to make sustainable income. There are thousands of creators on Kajabi making six and seven figures with less than 50,000 followers. Right now, Kajabi is offering a free 30-day trial to start your business if you go to kajabi.com slash charm. That's K-A-J-A-B-I dot com slash charm. Go to kajabi.com slash charm and join the creators and entrepreneurs who have made over $7 billion. Johnny, we know if you listen to the show, you are driven. In fact, we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data. And a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to recent Indeed survey. We have hired a lot of team members over the last 17 years. Going through endless resumes, well, that's a time sink. But you know what else is a time sink? Interviewing endless people because they're all gonna give you the best face forward. That's why we love Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash charm. Just go to indeed.com slash charm right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash charm. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Lennon and McCartney, Jagger and Richards, Watson and Crick, AJ and Johnny. What about the perfect duo when it comes to growing your business? Well, that's you and Shopify. That's right, Johnny. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling your own fire merch or promoting your productivity programs, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. What I love about Shopify is no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, as well as millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. And AJ, you don't have to just sell your stuff anymore. With Shopify Collective, you can curate products to sell from the brands that you love, giving your customers more variety and your business more sales. Shopify is your no-excuses business partner. Sell without needing to code or design. Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash charm. Go to shopify.com slash charm now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash charm. Yeah, you'll find those intrigue points. So even if you don't have a shared interest, what about their bio or their LinkedIn was intriguing to you? And then asking them, how did you get started in this? Or what drew you to that? again, breaks out of these boring surface-level conversations that give networking a bad name. Like people look at networking events and go, ugh, if yeah, you have this ability, <laughs> with a little bit of research, you're setting yourself ahead of the pack. Okay, awesome. Number three for me is don't ask, always help. So what do I mean by that? I mean, oftentimes when people are networking, they're like, hey, can you uh, refer me to this person? Can you try out my technology uh, and see if it's any good. <sighs> People are busy. You want to build a relationship. You want a relationship to be sustainable. You say, hey, uh, David, you're writing a book. Would you like to, me to give you feedback on the book that you're writing? Hey, David, you uh, teaching a class. Uh, love to see your syllabus and maybe I can recommend something there. Hey, do you want someone to check out the app and give you suggestions about, about our app? Oftentimes my students are like, but I can't help someone who's, you know, more senior than I am. Yes, you can. There's plenty of ways you can help in referring potential employees. There's a million things that people can do, even if they're 20 years, 30 years, quote unquote, less experienced. And I think that's really important to have the confidence and find ways you could help and ask, as opposed to just like, you know, asking for things from someone. So five minute favor is the mindset that we always talk about. What's a five-minute favor that you could do someone for someone that you just met, right? It's not saying rewrite a thesis. It's not saying quit your job, take on a side hustle. But what's five minutes of your time that could help this other person? And I, I'm really happy that you brought up 
for those of us who are junior, because many of us feel like, oh, well, they're so senior, there's nothing that I could really do to help. Guess what? An extra set of eyes, extra set of ears, and looking for ways to help instead of asking, how can I help? There's nothing more overwhelming as a leader than having an inbox full of, how can I help? How can I help? Well, I don't know anything about you, your skill set, what you're offering. And yeah, there's a zillion and one things that you could do to help, but I don't even have the time to tell you all the ways that you could help me. So do a little bit of legwork, spend five minutes, and you'd be amazed how you then unlock reciprocity. When you start doing favors for people, they feel like they owe you subconsciously. And when we tap into reciprocity, all of a sudden, our networking efforts become scalable, become exponential. Exactly. My favorite five-minute favor is just introducing someone to someone else because it's like Absolutely. both sides benefit and and then they think better of the person who made that introduction. And I probably have done uh, thousands of uh, professional you know, matchmaking, shall we say. Okay. Number four on list is staying in touch. Like I will have this amazing conversation with someone. They reach out to me. They want to, they want to build a relationship. And I thought we had a pretty fine time. I'm sure they did too. And then just like never again, they never follow up and say like, Hey, I'm back in the city or, Hey, it's been a couple of years. Would you like to get back together for breakfast? Not never, but it's a low percentage being like, like operationally savvy and just putting things in your calendar a year later or saying, hey, would you be open to getting back together for breakfast in six months from now? The answer is going to be yes if it's a great conversation. Of course, the answer is yes. Want to get, can we get, have breakfast next week? No, I'm not going to get breakfast again next week. It's a little too quickly. But like six months later, three months later, happily, happy to do that. And people just don't make the effort to build that next second and third and fourth kind of conversation, they have one and then somehow it just dissipates. Well, it's never awkward to reach back out. I think that's the problem. People fall out. They don't have systems in place. They don't have habits around reaching back out. And then a lot of pressure builds up. They're like, oh, I got to make excuses for why this didn't happen. They don't matter. Throw out the invite, throw out what you enjoyed, and the other person will be happy to hear from you. Stop putting your expectations in. I'll get something from someone five years later and say like, hey, I'm in town. You want to get together? We got together. I'm like, absolutely. So it's all good. And the last one is just what I call the most important question, which in the most important question in networking is, you know, simply, is there anyone else that you recommend that I spend time talking to? And that is a bit of an ask. So that goes a little bit of against it. But if you hopefully have found a way to help the person as well, Asking the question of, is there anyone else that you think I should speak to both to help them, you know, or, or, or build a relationship with, I think people don't do that often enough. And whenever people ask me that at the end of a meeting, I'm like, I wouldn't have even thought it. Yeah, actually, here's this person, this person, this person. I'm happy to just send me your bio and I'm happy to make those three email introductions. No problem. If they don't ask, they don't get. And doing it at the high point of the interaction is key. So waiting until the next day or three-day rule or whatever the heck you're following, odds are that person that you are so excited to talk to is already on two days later to something else and won't necessarily remember that conversation. So striking while the iron is hot in the moment. You had a great conversation. You see they're reacting well. It's gone really good in your mind. Throw it out there. And in that moment, it becomes a lot easier than me trying to recall what we talked about three days ago when I was at an event where I also talked to hundreds of other people. And now I can't, I didn't take notes on you. So I don't specifically remember what exactly you need or who in my network could work. We spend way too much time waiting 
And we let these expectations of ourselves and others get in the way of the real connection that we're looking to have. So those are phenomenal tips. Now, here's the thing. You shouldn't just be pitching all the time. Don't pitch. Use storytelling instead, especially when you are an introvert. Remember that you're in a networking event, not on a sales call. Storytelling is very powerful, and it also connects you to people and makes you memorable. This is a skill that you can practice with us in our X Factor Accelerator implementation sessions. But then when I get into story, there's some unique science here that's super helpful, especially for introverts. The first thing that happens is when I move into a story, everyone's so used to pitching. And the thing that I really struggle with with pitching is you're telling them all this jargon. And for an introvert that tends to be rather technical minded, often that's like they open up this fire hose of information and the person's just, oh my gosh, get away from me. Even if they said they were interested at that point, they stop. But by segueing into a story, again, you short circuit the logical mind, you speak to the emotional mind. If you watch a documentary, you're probably 15 minutes until you're bored. If you watch a movie three hours in, you're like, oh my gosh, where's the next, when's the next one coming out? Why? Because people gravitate to story. Secondly, when we talk about stories, like when I go up on stage, you know, as an introvert, regardless of how many times and how many thousands of people I've spoken to, when I get up on stage, I'm nervous still. So the first thing I do is say, what a wonderful introduction for somebody from all the way on the other side of the world. What am I going to do to live up to such a wonderful introduction? I know, let's talk about Wendy. And then I'll go into a story of Wendy. And as soon as I do that, the studies out of Princeton highlight that what actually happens is it activates our reticular activating system of our brain and it causes our brains to synchronize. We create artificial rapport that then we can generate into real rapport, which again, introverts are great at. But even more importantly, study out of Stanford shows that we remember up to 22 times more information when we embed it into a story. So firstly, it's our niche. But secondly, we're making it tangible for them. Now, a lot of people find this hard to believe. When I'm speaking from stage, I say, all right, I'm going to mention three items at random. Who's a volunteer? Okay. Chairs, porridge, and beds. You're going to remember those for me? A year from now, I want to ask you what they are. And I want you to tell me an order. What do you think your chances are? And they're like, no chance. I'm like, tell me the story of Goldilocks and the three bears. Oh my gosh. Why? Because it was embedded into a story, all of a sudden it's so much more memorable. So because of that science, all of a sudden you've got this combination of the concoction of the unified message, I'm the rapid growth guy, I'm interested, I need to put you in a box and I need to figure it out, with all the science behind story, and it, it's like they're almost drunk on everything that they've heard from you, and they're like, oh my gosh, I, I really want what Wendy has, I want what Nick has, how can I work with you? And to your point, AJ, this is where it's critical for you to remember you're at a networking event, not selling to someone. Now, here's the important thing. Do your research before you reach out. Young people are especially good at this, according to Susan McPherson. Johnny, you were just saying, I mean, doing that little bit of research before you reach out to people, whether they're people you know or people you don't know, they have all the tools they need to do that. I mean, when I was coming of age professionally, I had the Yellow Pages and the Encyclopedia Britannica. Okay, you can now find someone's complete career trajectory. You can find out what they're upset about on, you know, on Twitter. You can find out if they have grandchildren on Instagram. So if you're reaching out cold, you have a way to find out about them so that you can offer some sort of help. And again, mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be, you know, writing them a check for a million dollars or, you know, solving their marital issues, okay? But I mean, it, it, it just do a little bit of research. And I, I think, um, AJ, what you said, I found fascinating in some of the research that people we, we meet or people have affected our lives who we have never met because of the people we have met. Does that make sense? But then mm -hmm. there, I mean, I, it's one of those things, like if you think too much about it, you go crystal <laughs> over. 
Networking is like farming. It needs continuous, low impact engagement. And it's not like hunting where success or failure is decided in seconds. Networking is more like farming than it is like hunting. Yeah. And I would add, if you're not a farmer, you might think of it as gardening, right? (laughs) So gardening or farming, they're continuous, a little bit every day. Sometimes you're weeding, sometimes you're planting, you know, uh, sometimes you're just letting it all winter over, (laughs) but that's an ongoing thing. Whereas let's say hunting is kind of a one transaction, (laughs) right? You know, like you go in for the kill, you kill, or, you know, it's not good. (laughs) It's not, it's not like this. So what you're saying is exactly right. The, The idea that, you know, suddenly a network springs up would say, you know, more people than you think, you know. But I'd also say it is a matter of cultivation over time to feel like, well, who can I really trust with a confidential thing I've got going on at work or a, you know, a problematic boss or something new I'm thinking about? And you're going to pull among the people in your network, not necessarily that, that smaller group of friends and family. All right. Now, here's a few missions for you at your next conference. If you are introverted... A couple of tips. And I have to tell you, in my next life, I'm going to be introverted. Like, I fantasize about being an introvert. I don't even know how to be an introvert. But that doesn't mean there are times I don't want to hide in the bathroom. Okay? So there's a difference. But I will say, with the pre-planning, you can scaffold your event. In other words, you can you can plan who you, you are going to meet. And this is also that time where thinking about in advance what, what you have to offer um, and in the book, I actually, in one chapter, have 10 canned questions that you can have in your back pocket for when you're terrified. But I will say, go with the notion, I call it the trium- triumvirate, which is almost like the power of three. Go with the goal of meeting three people, sharing three things, and learning three things. And then you can go hide in the bathroom. But in other words, that's doable, feasible, manageable, um, And, you know, again, what do I know? I'm not an introvert. But to me, that seems like a way to kind of like, I can do this. And remember, if you're asking the questions, guess what? You can sit back and listen. You don't have to be the one doing the blah, blah, which, again, for someone who may be shy or introverted, meaning and those two are separate, can be a very comfortable place to be. Introverts should take some breaks at conferences. Do not stare at your phone, though. It makes you unapproachable. There's no advantage to just sort of, you know, going to the to the nth degree to the last mile when you're really spent. There are times I know I've kind of I've done enough here. I or I need to take a walk outside for a minute if it's a multi-day thing, or I'm gonna sit out one session. I would say one other thing though about the break areas and the common areas. If you're gonna if if your goal really is to sort of meet some new people or make some specific connections. Keep your face out of your phone during those breaks so that you look like I'm open to conversations mm-hmm. around me. I'm making eye contact. People legitimately have a need to, you know, check their email and whatnot. That's fine. But, you know, don't do that the whole time so that, you know, you come away saying, you know, no, I didn't meet anybody. Well, no one's I'm not going to bother somebody with their faces in their phone. Now, here's the secret to successful networking. It's more than just meeting people in real life, especially at conferences. It's all about the follow-up. Remember, you really don't want to meet everybody and you're not going to meet everybody. So let's just not have that super high bar there. If it's a smaller workshop, you know, you may have a a more comfort level with 
a little bit of small talk with people, but I would say a couple of things. One is you're not going to do your whole networking transaction at the conference, right? You're going to make some initial contact that's kind of friendly and kind of interesting for five, 10 minutes, and then you follow up after. So you might be waiting in line together for coffee. You might be waiting for a speaker and you're sitting next to each other. The small talk there should be related to the conference, the event, and try not to ask yes, no questions. Basically, you know, how did you, how did you find yourself wanting to come to this conference? What are you hoping to get out of it? Are you, is there a speaker you're looking forward to uh, today? Is this the a field you're in? You know, if you can read a badge uh, easily, not awkwardly, <laughs> that's great because that gives you a little more intel to go on. But it's basically you, you want to draw them out a little bit and, oh, you know, I'm interested in, oh, I know about your company because they've been doing, you know, something I'm interested in. Could we follow up? Could I follow up with you after? Could we exchange contact info or, or may I, you know, link to you or whatever, whatever is uh, appropriate in that setting? And then do follow up, you know, wait a day or two and then say, I'm just glad we met here's something I've been reading or here's a thing I wrote or, you know, whatever it is, I'd like to talk to you more about it or just stay in touch about it. You've made that contact. The follow-up is the most important aspect to networking, surprise, delight, and excite your connections with a personalized process that works for who you are. This is something that we take time with our X Factor members so that they can confidently reconnect after the meet and greet. In fact, we have a social capital GPT inside our X-Factor accelerators that helps you polish up your follow-up game following proven strategies and frameworks from inside our X-Factor accelerator. Now, here are a few tips. Do it ASAP. Always take notes or even better, a photo and ask for the best way to stay in touch with them after you meet them, according to Susan. First of all, do it as soon as you humanly can. Okay. I mean, you know, again, whether we're in an online meeting, you know, you can do it before you get to the next meeting, if it's possible, if you're at an event, the second you get home, Um, because we, again, know what happens when we put things off. That's not always possible, but that is number one. Number two, take notes when you meet someone or take notes right after. And sometimes I go so far as take a photo of them, not not to share, obviously, on, on social media, but just so that I can remember. And then I make a little note um, with with and, I, and again, I, I sound like I'm this anal person. I'm not. But it's just if, if I want to have a meaningful follow up, I need to remember who the person is. OK, and I, you know, getting on in years. So my memory quite is, isn't quite what it used to be. But the, uh, the thing is, is mention something that you talked about. Remind the person that you saw them, that you heard them, that you listened to them. And when you mention something that they talked about or a challenge that they faced, that is that is something that like sets the breadcrumbs in motion. Okay. Um, and of course, if you said you were going to do something, like introduce them to somebody, or you know, you mentioned a nonprofit that you thought they might have interest in supporting, follow up with that. Okay. And you don't have to, it doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be 14 pages long. Um, and it can be less. Oh, I have one more. I like to ask people how they like to receive. Is it via email? Is it via text? Is it via WhatsApp? Is it a DM? <laughs> and I mean, the menu is lengthy. 
So to me, sometimes that is a very respectful thing to ask. And again, if you want to continue the reciprocity, you want to meet people where they are. Build a network with people you like, and they will be happy to connect and help. Building a network is really simply paying attention to who you enjoy, who you've enjoyed working with, who you have fond memories of, who you like as a team member now, and you just stay in touch intermittently with them. And I find that people are happy to help each other, happy and flattered, to be honest, to be called on to say, could I introduce my friend to you because they have this question about your company or what, whatever it is. People want to help each other. So it's really just not coming on cold with, I'm desperate, I have a need. I'm not asking anything about you. I just want my thing, right? That's the image that networking has that's so bad. Networking online, following up, and staying in touch. These are very important to your success when it comes to networking, right, Karen? It's old-fashioned in a certain way, but email is kind of the only kind of interoperable network we all share. So in terms of being introduced to someone, for example, or following up with someone who you're not connected to on LinkedIn or, or Twitter or Facebook, that's about as easy as it gets. You just send a note. The person doesn't have to answer it in real time. You can explain what you're looking for, what your question is, or can we make a date to get together in person, something like that. So that, that has a continuing place in, in, the, in, in the process. But I would also say now, because we actually know, we, we know of, we generally know more people than any time in history, just because of working with people and the people we meet you know, along the way. So having LinkedIn obviously was designed for sort of professional and career networking. And it works, I think, fine. And it has some guardrails and people seem to understand how to use it. It's handy. So when you meet someone at a conference, the most common thing is either can I send you an email or can we connect on LinkedIn? That's great because then you can kind of start that. But then after you've met, this is when keeping in touch matters most. Then it's are we both on Twitter and we follow each other on Twitter? Are we both on LinkedIn, et cetera, Instagram, whatever it is. Then that could be a channel with that person if that's something you both tacitly agreed to. Then it's just hey, I thought of you yesterday when I saw the news about your company or your team or what the pop culture reference, whatever it is. It's sort of like, I, I know you like that. I know you're in that. I know you, you did that. Just want to say great, you know, and just, hey, that doesn't require a response or much of a response. It's not a request for help. It's really just, hey, I, I'm thinking of you, essentially. And so... It's never been easier to do that and do that on a regular basis with a wide variety of people. Maybe your work colleagues, former work colleagues, whatever it is. That's how I keep in touch with people is all those, all those ways. And it's, it's often that I'm like going through, I'm, I'm big on Twitter. I mean, I'm on Twitter all the time. So I'm seeing things and I'm kind of passing them along with a direct message to this one or that one and just saying, did you see this? Do you believe this? Or, you know, Oh my God, you know, and I mean, I don't have to do anything else. That's a sort of moment of a touch point and someone might send me an emoji back. Like we're in touch. It's when we need to be actually in touch in, you know, real time. We've, we've had an encounter. It's not like we're, we're we've been out of touch. We've been in touch and right. now we're going to be more in touch. 
So that's, that's how those tools kind of make it easy. You have to be comfortable using them, of course, and you have to use the ones you and your contact are comfortable using. You don't want to make people sign up for a new account. With something. <laughs> right. I'll see you on TikTok, you know, <laughs> but uh, you know, we, we all find our ways through this and it, it makes it very easy then to just have a, that kind of light touch with people. You call this the loose touch habit. Yeah. This is something that you're doing on a daily basis. This is part of your routine to, yeah. to manage that garden, so to speak. Yeah, exactly. And not the same people every day. It's, it's right. more, you know, uh, and, and by the way, you know, we're also living in an age because we are connected through, even if it's only LinkedIn or, you know, past email or whatever it is, it's really okay to kind of drop in out of the blue and just say, hey, I've been thinking about you or we haven't, I, mean, I talk to people or I'm in touch with people or people reach out to me. We might not have even seen each other for five years or work together for 10 years, but it kind of doesn't matter because there's that sense of we're all out there doing our thing. You know, we're all, <laughs> we're all in the ether somewhere. And so assuming there's some degree of affection and fondness between people, even if it was a, just a professional relationship, suddenly to just say, Hey, I've been thinking about you because this, you know, because now I'm interested in your line of work. Now I'm, I, you know, the thing that we used to talk about, it's so much more true now. And I really, I'd love to talk to you about it or catch up with you. Or I see you're at a certain company I'm interested in. It's, there's like no harm, no foul with sort of coming back into consciousness with someone, assuming you've had, you know, there's some, there's some past touch points. Now, no one likes unsolicited outreach. In fact, it can be difficult to keep up with all the different balls in the air that we're juggling which is why it's so important before introducing people, you to use the double opt-in. The double opt-in is you personally reaching out to each individual asking if they would like to meet the other person. Only when both parties agree to opting in to that connection should you make that introduction. It saves everyone the stress and hassle of maybe not being helpful, and it allows you to know that you made a great connection. If you think of yourself as a recipient of one of these kind of I didn't opt in for this notes. That's kind of a surprise. And you, even if it's a friend of yours, you're like, well, what's the connection here? Or like, I'm super busy right now. I can't do this. Or, you, you know, you don't want someone promising something for you. So I always, 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 somebody will meet with me often. They're new to town or they, you know, they have a specific question and I'll get excited when I talk to them and I'll, I'll make note of three or four people maybe. And I'll say, listen, I'm going to write to these people. I'd like a little bit from you, like a, a little paragraph about specifically what you're doing or what you're interested in. Send me that. I'm going to send that to each of these people with a little note from me about how we met and that I, you know, I think you're interesting. I think this is a good question. If you don't mind only when they say yes, this person I'm asking the favor of, do I then say, okay, and then I put, I send the next note to the two of them, introducing them and saying, you know, hey, my contact has kindly agreed to talk to you about this. Take it away. But, you know, enjoy. Right. It's yeah. Being respectful with other people's time. Yeah. And, and you hit the nail on the head when someone's making promises on your behalf. Yeah. It, it puts like, you in an awkward position because now yeah. you have to say no, which makes mm -hmm. you look bad to exactly. some people. And or the flip yeah. side, you're forced to do something that you, you wouldn't have done in yeah. the first place. 
Now, when it comes to networking, it's important to be honest and direct about what you want from a relationship. Right, Susan? I alluded to, to one bit of the advice, um, and that was from a, a philanthropist, leadership coach, former broadcast journalist, uh, Ruth Ann Harnish, who, who both in the book talked about, but has also helped me prof- you know, personally, is be more direct and be very upfront about how you want to have a relationship with somebody and go so far as say, I would like to get to know you better so that we can have a closer relationship, which, you know, I think probably up until my mid forties was like the most terrifying thing to say to somebody. Right. I mean, you know, for all the reasons. And, and I felt that that was, was really, really, um, you know, vital, uh, words of advice, especially in a book about connecting, right? Because, you know, beating around the bush is not going to help anything. And it also gives the person choice, right? And, 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 and that way, if it's not what that person wants, that person ha- can, can, can move off. And again, you're no worse for the wear other than, yeah, your feelings might get hurt, but at least you know where you stand. And remember, you're never too old to learn new tricks. It seems like it might be an age thing, and I get you, because I also get energized by curious, sharp young people. But in a way, it's not about age. There's a book that has been very popular in Silicon Valley for a few years now called Growth Mindset by Carol Dweck, right? So this anybody can have a growth mindset. I mean, this this is not about age. It is sort of like, are you open and curious to new ideas? and new people and, and, uh, you know, new, new thinking, or do you have a fixed mindset? Right. And so that's, that's really, uh, the key. And that's why I think the right kind of like good, authentic connecting with other people is a, is a mark of an open mind of a, of a growth mindset. Johnny, what's so fun about these tips? As an introvert myself, I've relied on many of them over the last decade plus to be successful here at The Art of Charm. And oftentimes we get asked, how do you get all these amazing guests on your show? And I'll tell you, almost all of them come from our network, people putting us in touch with other great guests. All right, this week's shout out goes to everyone who's participated in our training programs over the last year from our in-person weekends, X-Factor Accelerator members, and the Unstoppable Crusaders. You guys are the reason that we do what we do. We've had so much fun working with you. And for the rest of you, we want to help and work with you guys this year. So don't let another year pass you by. All it takes is commitment and we'll help you do the rest. The best time is to get started right now. It's January. What an incredible month to get started and measure your progress. Also, for the rest of you who listen to this show, let us know what episodes that you liked best and what topics are helpful for you. As we move forward into the new year, we want to make sure that our podcast gets you over the hurdles that are in front of you. You can write us on your favorite social media, at The Art of Charm. And before we head out, could you do us and the entire Art of Charm team a huge favor? Head on over to your favorite podcast player and rate and review the show. It means the world to us and it gives us more visibility to help others find us. All right, now before we head out, a huge thank you to our producers, Michael Harold and Eric Montgomery. All right, everybody, go out there and let's kick off an amazing new year. <laughs>